I had rather be a canker in a hedge than a rose in his grace. In this, though I cannot be said to be a flattering, honest man, it must not be denied, but I am a plain dealing villain. If I had my mouth, I would bite. If I had my liberty, I would do my liking. In the meantime, let me be that I am, and seek not to alter me. From Chicago, this is The Unenthusiastic Critic, a podcast about destroying your marriage one movie at a time. Welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today, and so hungry she could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino, is my lovely wife, Nakia, also known as The Unenthusiastic Critic. That was graphic. On today's episode, Nakia and I are sitting down for a film neither of us has seen before, Catherine Bigelow's Point Break from 1991. So, Nakia, as I said last week, Point Break is a film that just slipped between the cracks of my movie-going life. Uh, I think if it had come out when I was still in high school, I almost certainly would have seen it. But it came out the year I graduated college, and I was all immersed in lit theory and shit, and I had no time for the lowbrow pleasures of a Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze surfer movie. But I'm a little surprised you haven't seen it, especially since you are such a big fan <laughs> of master thespian Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just missed this one. I don't remember actively not seeing it, I just missed it. I mean, it was 90s. That was sort of in your wheelhouse. Sure. That was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> There's no good excuse, really. Thank God we are rectifying that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we watch the movie, I thought we would take a few moments to settle once and for all the most pressing question of 20th and 21st century filmic studies. Is Keanu Reeves the worst actor ever to have a major career? Are you asking me? Well, that's it's the question on the table. I actually don't think it's on the table. It, I've just put it on the table. And what I'm saying is... Here's the table yeah. right here between us. Yeah. Oh. I am putting the question. I am throwing down the gauntlet. I think it is just a given that Keanu Reeves is quite possibly <laughs> the greatest actor of his generation. I, I feel like you would have a hard time defending that position. No. From any perspective. No. Like, there is no form of evidence you could provide to support that ridiculous assertion. Well, it, there's his body of work. Uh-huh. His longevity in Hollywood. Um, I believe he his films alone have, like, gross... Like trillions of dollars okay, or something well that, like that. D- that doesn't mean any. Transformers so... movies make money. <sighs> and frankly, the robots are still better actors than Keanu Reeves. No. See, because that's what you don't appreciate about Keanu. You are easily seduced by the Pacinos <laughs> and uh, what's the other one? Um, the De Niro's and the Nicolas Cage's and, okay. you know. Nicolas Cage is yeah. a weird one to throw in there, but you, okay. You're a fan of his. I'd put him a little further towards you're the Keanu. Fan, no, you're, you're, you're a deep fan of his. <laughs> Whereas Keanu doesn't need to do all the histrionics. He doesn't need to be loud. He doesn't need to. It's all just. Intelligible, literate. He doesn't need to okay, be I don't know. any of those things. He can read, so I don't know. I what don't the, know why 
you assume that. Well, he has scripts, so <laughs> he needs to read. And I believe there are memes of him like reading books and being sad oh, on benches. Oh, are there? Or I see. So the the point is, uh-huh. is that he is a quiet force. <laughs> he is uh, a contained actor. He oh, mm. uh, feels no internal. You're exactly. saying exactly, mm-hmm. and and quite frankly, he's one of the most sort of elegantly physical actors that oh, we've Jesus. seen in a very long time. And there's no ego to him. He completely gives over himself in the service of the film, oh, in the well, service of God. the vision of the director. And it be, the, his films become inseparable from Keanu. Keanu is needed. Saying things films. like that that are so demonstrably not true mm-hmm. cannot be good for you. I feel like it must rot your teeth mm-hmm. to, to come out with stuff like that. No, my teeth are great. Okay. So. Let's, let's talk about Keanu. Okay. Uh, born in 1964, which makes him 55 years old, older than me, which surprised me because even though he was obviously making movies when I was in high school and so therefore obviously older than I was, I, I still sort of think of him as a kid. Mm-hmm. Because he's stunningly gorgeous and <laughs> youthful looking and just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made mostly small roles before 1986's The River's Edge, which you have not seen. That's on no. our list. It's a sort of dark underbelly of small town teenage life film with Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover and Keanu Reeves are the two leads in that. Those are like two of my favorite people. I love Crispin Glover. I know. Glover. So we will we will watch that movie one of these days. People have suggested it. Have we talked about his like chalet? Some he has like a excuse me. Crispin Glover. He was in like Architectural <laughs> Digest or something like that. I was talking about like he has put all his money into this really amazing. Fuck, where is it? I need to. I'll look it up. But okay, we're not talking about amazing. We will save Crispin Glover for chalet. another day because that is a fascinating <laughs> ridiculous. conversation. It's like, in of its course, right. Crispin Glover lives okay. there. <laughs> okay, so Keanu Reeves next. You know, to me, came his perfect roles. Mm-hmm. This is this is Pete Keanu. This is the Keanu I have no problem with. This is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Classic. From 1989. And from the same year, Parenthood, mm-hmm. which is one of his great, great roles. Okay. That is just right in his zone. See, just a slow pitch down the middle that no. he could hit out of the park. You're pigeonholing. And, <laughs> yeah. No, you, your problem is... You are... You need a license to catch a fish, but any butt-reaming asshole can be a father. And do you see what he brings to it? (laughs) I'm saying that's the perfect Keanu. Stay in your lane. No, I'm saying he is, you know, varied enough and such a deep well of talent (laughs) (laughs) that he could say... Whoa. And it means all these things. There's all this stuff in the woe. There's all this power in the woe. Uh-huh. There's all of this intensity in the woe. Okay? Like, so somebody wrote it. and The it, depth of the exactly. woe. The layers of woe. And it takes someone like Keanu. That would be a good title for his autobiography. To the layers of all woe. of that. Yes. It's, the, like, it's, it's an amazing <laughs> thing. So, you know. So Okay. So what I'm saying is if uh-huh. he stuck to woe, I would have no problem with him. Mm-hmm. But then he starts turning up in movies that he had no fucking business being in. Mm -hmm. Like 1988's Dangerous Liaisons. Brilliant. (laughs) I mean, granted, the character was supposed to be something of an idiot, but Jesus. Watching him try to act in scenes with Glenn Close and John Malkovich at the height of their game. He stood his ground. It's just painful and embarrassing. He went toe-to-toe with them, and I would say outshone them, really. (laughs) 
I believe he plays piano and sings a song in there with Uma Thurman, and it's wonderful. It's a wonderful moment. Somehow, Kenneth Branagh looked at Reeves' career and said, I think this guy can do Shakespeare. Yep. And put him in 1993's Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, As it turned out, Keanu could not do Shakespeare. Yes, he could. And I think that's the reason why his big monologue in that play is filmed with Keanu with his shirt off, getting like a rub down from one of his men. So this is your elitism coming into play? (laughs) Your idea of who is quote-unquote appropriate for Shakespeare? Yeah, someone who can say the lines and know what they mean? He could say the lines and he did know what they meant, and it's you and your sort of upper-class, highfalutin elitism. We, we, We heard Keanu's, just so you know... Our listeners have already heard Keanu's monologue from Much Ado at the top of this episode, mm-hmm. so that that evidence has already been submitted. That was Exhibit A mm-hmm. in my argument. And what I'm saying is your devotion and idolization <laughs> of the King's English... Or just English. English is, is fine. you know, inherently just classist and racist, and you should probably reflect oh, on that. Now I'm just, racist yeah, because I, mean, I don't because, like Keanu Reeves. Because That's what you're saying is there are even, only even for you, certain people can tackle Shakespeare. Only certain like, people can speak the words I have no trouble with you playing that card most of, of the time. Is what I'm saying. It's, it's some white supremacist bullshit. You need to think about it. <laughs> Give it some thought. Okay, now we come to Exhibit B in the prosecution's case against Keanu Reeves, Uh which is Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Amazing. From 1992, where Keanu and his spiritual counterpart, Winona Ryder, compete throughout the film for the absolute worst line readings ever committed to celluloid. They're both doing horrible English accents. Neither of them can do an accent. And clearly, neither of them can focus on the accent and the acting at the same time. Winona is terrible. I will give you that. Oh, I, so Winona is terrible. Winona is terrible. But Keanu is... Film. Keanu is a revelation. Okay, I'm, let's, let's listen to some, some selected clips from Dracula, shall we? Sure, bring it. This was a handy YouTube video that I found that I will link to in the show notes. Okay. This is a man himself. Ah, look, he's growing young. <laughs> Let him go. Our work is finished here. Has has just begun. <laughs> Doctor, you must understand. I doubted everything. Even my mind. I was... Impotent with fear. I know. But so, I know where the bastard sleeps. <laughs> so, uh, what do you, what do you have to say about about that? That was his Oscar highlight reel. <laughs> Obviously, when he says, "I was impotent with fear," Doctor, I was impotent with fear. He felt that yes, he was truly impotent with fear. It was. You felt like he was impotent with talent. No. I saw an actor. (laughs) Again, going beyond the piddly writing of the script to bring a character to life in a way that very few could. Or should. No. (laughs) Wrong. So I really don't, I really don't get this career. I mean... Bernardo Bertolucci cast Keanu Reeves as fucking Buddha yeah. in 1993's Little Buddha. Mm-hmm. 
The only thing I can conclude is that at some point in the 1980s, Keanu Reeves sold his soul to the devil. I think 1997's The Devil's Advocate, awesome in which film. he plays an ambitious young attorney who goes to work for Al Pacino's Satan. I think it's a thinly veiled autobiography. Excellent southern accent in that film, by the way. <laughs> it's terrible, terrible. Excellent southern accent. Terrible movie. Not even Pacino is good in that movie. Well, no, Pacino's not good because... But I think it's code. I think it's. I think that was Keanu admitting to the world that he sold his soul to the devil to get the career that he has. Even in the action movies, which I know is your first line of defense here. The Matrix, Mm -hmm. John Wick. Speed. Speed. Like, those are fun movies. Mm -hmm. I maintain every one of them would be better with an actual actor in the lead role. No, I disagree. And other people agree with me. Oh, really? I have... There were, like, three articles. (laughs) Three? On the whole internet? Talking about... If you scour the whole internet and you only find three people who First of all, I did not scour the whole internet. I don't spend a lot of time preparing for this bullshit. So I did like a quick Google, okay? I could have spent more time, but I have like a job and shit, right? So I did a quick Google and came across three articles real quick in the like .000 however many seconds it takes for Google to pull some shit up. So... Why Keanu Reeves is a Perfect Action Star by Peter Sutterman at Vox. (laughs) Okay. It's hard to imagine the John Wick movies without Keanu Reeves. It's not. The franchise... Excuse me. (laughs) Sorry, you have the floor. Go ahead. I'm presenting my sources. (laughs) Objection. The franchise... Sustained. Okay. Are are we going to actually engage in a debate or you just want to bullshit on your own? Because you can just go jack off the corner by yourself. I I don't need to be here. To do this. I could go watch Bram Stoker's Dracula again, which is what I'm I'm feeling like would be a better use of my time. I, I apologize. Carry on, please. The franchise. <laughs> Perhaps the best thing to happen to action cinema this decade is built on scene after scene of exquisitely choreographed carnage. But it's not really about bloodshed. With its fanciful mood lighting and tap dance rhythms, the films sometimes seem more like musicals than action movies. The various henchmen and assassins that make up the cast more like dancers than dealers of death. Even more than its predecessor, John Wick Chapter 2 plays like a disco of violence. A ferociously stylish examination of the human form in motion. And at the center of it all is Reeves. He's the film's lead dancer, the <laughs> locus of its action, and he moves through it with the life and lively grace of someone trained in ballet. <laughs> the sequel is an arc, artsy exercise, and action movie formalism, and Reeves is what gives it human form. This may come out hyperbolic or flat out inaccurate to those who don't see Reeves as a great screen actor. Y- it may. <laughs> Shut up. And granted, his performance style doesn't capture the tiny nuances of human reactions that are usually associated with great acting. (laughs) He's often characterized as a big screen blank, and that's not entirely a faulty statement. But while it's not wrong to label Reeves a blank, it's also not enough. For nearly three decades, Reeves has proven himself one of Hollywood's most durable and entertaining action stars. His total physical commitment to his action roles make him read the whole article. a perfect avatar for the visions of ambitious action directors. <laughs> he becomes inseparable from the cinematic visions he embodies. Boom. <laughs> 
So, so what I heard from that mm-hmm. is that the John Wick movies are made very well, which I do not argue with. No, but they no, have no, great no, no, fight no, no. choreography. But what he said that and Reeves is the perfect marionette wooden puppet. No, to see, go through no. those moves. That's what he said. It was like That's what well, I heard. no, right? Exactly. Wrong people consider Reeves <laughs> to just be this blank that people sort of that directors can sort of superimpose something, on, and that's not true. He fully embodies the vision mm-hmm. so that the film becomes inseparable from the actor. So you're wrong. Uh, do, 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 you have any, do you have anything else to present in defense? I have, I have lots of shit. I mean, I like I said, I did a quick Google. I want to make sure you feel like you've gotten your, your say. Uh, let's see. Okay, so that was it. That was the, That's that not was, it. That was it. There's lots of stuff. Uh, okay, so let's let's <laughs> let's segue into into talking about this particular Keanu Reeves movie, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe we can segue with this quote from Hal Hinson in the Washington Post from his review of the film when it came out. Reeves is a perfect choice for the youthfully malleable Utah. As an actor, he seems perpetually on the verge of a thought that can't quite work its way to the surface. He's charismatically puppy-brained, and watching him, we get caught up in the slow motion meshing of his mental gears. So those are compliments. He's those saying, are, those are he's compliments. saying he's Keanu Reeves was dumb. perfect. He's calling him dumb. <laughs> and we watch him in like breathless suspense to see if he's actually going to be able to get a thought out, to get a sentence out. So in that way, he's very compelling. I don't understand. <laughs> How you and others praise the acting of, say, a Harrison Ford. That's completely different. Mountain face. (laughs) No emotion whatsoever. There's nothing underneath the surface. He's just reading and he's pissed off that he has to be there. Really. He's collecting a check. Which is, hey, I respect the hustle. You've been able to do it. But Keanu brings so much more. (laughs) I really don't understand how you don't see him to be a great actor. All right, well let's 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 move on to this movie and maybe maybe it'll convince me. Maybe this will be the one that'll convince me of all the charms of Keanu Reeves. Maybe once I see him, you know, surf. He's definitely not a character actor. Okay. He's also not a traditional leading man, the kind of actor like Tom Cruise or Harrison Ford who turns every role into an extension of himself. Instead, in his best roles, he becomes an extension of the film. He is chemically bonded with its logline. Right. He is cinematic concept made flesh. The physical embodiment of a premise. <laughs> right. Again, he's a prop. No, that's not what that is saying. What is that from? That's that same article. Okay. That's not what it is. So it was just the one article again. First of all, again, I said, like, just, again, I said I wasn't going to read okay. all this shit for the shit. So. I all right. Mean, we're clearly not going to agree on this, so let's move on, because, shall but we? But you're wrong. <laughs> and you need to admit that you're wrong about this. And I hear that he gives all his money away to, like, charity. I don't care. And he's very he sh- respectful he should, of he's, you know. the fight artistry. It's like, it's just, you're wrong. I think he gave a seat up on a train for a woman once, and it was a thing. <laughs> like he's, what I'm saying is, he is a human and humane in the way that many of our actors that you love and respect are not. Mm-hmm. And that gives him depth. And that gives him empathy. And that brings power to all of his roles. Okay. And so, he's amazing cheekbones. So, I guess a boy Gary's age really needs a man around yeah, well, mm, depends on the man. I had a man around. He used to wake me up in the morning by flicking lit cigarettes at my head. Hey, asshole, get up and make me breakfast. You know, Miss Buckman, you need a license to buy a dog. 
or drive a car. Hell, you need a license to catch a fish. But don't let any butt-reaming asshole be a father. Okay, let's talk very briefly about this movie. What, what do you actually know about Point Break? I don't know anything about Point Break. I know that it's about surfers, and I know Patrick Swayze is in it, and I believe that I've heard that there is sort of underlying homoeroticism involved. I mean, you could just pretty much assume that, couldn't you, not from the two leads? I mean, not necessarily. No? no. Okay. So I didn't do a lot of background reading on this. I didn't do as much research as I usually do, because I haven't seen this movie, and I want to come into it relatively fresh. On the other hand, it's it's fucking point break, so See, I didn't, you're already I didn't worry that much about spoiling myself or anything. You, the way you took Top Gun seriously, <laughs> but won't, you know, engage with point break. I'm engaging. I'm engaging. Mm-hmm. This is us engaging. This is not. Okay, so written by Peter Eliff from an idea by producer Rick King. Uh, Supposedly, King had read an article about how L.A. was the bank robbery capital of the world just before having his surf lesson, and these ideas collided in his head to the inspiration for Point Break. The screenplay kicked around Hollywood for a few years. Uh, Ridley Scott was attached to direct for a long time and apparently spent a long time on pre-production on it, but ultimately pulled out. I think he then went on to make Thelma and Louise, which it seems to me, from what I know of this movie, would have made a nice bookend, like a sort of gender-swapped mm-hmm. bookend with, uh, with Point Break, so it's kind of a shame. But instead, James Cameron's production company picked it up. Cameron was fresh off the major success of Terminator 2, and he was, at the time, married to Catherine Bigelow, who was looking for her next directing project after Near Dark and Blue Steel with Jamie Lee Curtis. A number of actors were considered. Well, all better actors. Nope. uh, Including Matthew Broderick. What? Johnny Depp, Val Kilmer, Charlie Sheen, and somehow Willem Dafoe. That would have been weird. They were all under consideration for the lead role of Johnny Utah. Yes. Which is Keanu's character. Uh, But Bigelow actually fought for Keanu Reeves. Because she knows. Because even though he was, at that time, still known as just this airhead comedic actor, she saw his potential as an action star. So Keanu's action career is is owed to this movie. See? So you're wrong. Well, no, I'm I'm still not wrong. This is an Oscar-winning director anointing him... (laughs) A great action star. <laughs> Patrick Swayze, of course, signed on for the other lead role. He was at the height of his fame. This was just fresh off the success of Ghost. Yes. Oh, I'm Henry the Eighth. I am Henry the Eighth. Is that Irish? We should maybe do that for St. Patrick's Day. Is I don't that know. I don't know that that is, is Herman's Hermits. I'm not sure they're Irish. I don't know. No, I don't Irish. know what they are. It seems like it'd be Irish. <laughs> <laughs> The, f- the film was a modest success, nowhere near a hit. It was made for $24 million. It grossed about $44 million domestically. It was only like the fourth biggest movie its opening weekend. So it was not mm-hmm. a runaway success. The reviews were about what you would expect. Uh, everyone thought it was dumb, but, you know, even the worst reviews acknowledged it was kind of fun. Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars, actually. He said the plot of Point of Point Break summarized invites parody, but the result is surprisingly effective. I read you a little of Hal Hinson's review in the Washington Post. He said, Point Break director Catherine Bigelow's foray into the cosmic cult of surfer banditos is an exercise in stylish lunk-headedness. It's gorgeous, but dumb as a post. Watching it is a bit like shooting the tube and then getting cracked on the head by your board. But at some point, this movie seems to have grown into cult 
status. Vince Mancini, writing at Uproxx, says, I think part of what makes a cult movie a cult movie is that you can't quite wrap your brain around it on the first go. Cult films have that scab-you-can't-stop-picking quality to them that compels you to rewatch. The Big Lebowski, one of your favorite movies, mm -hmm. is a perfect example, he says. Where you watch it for the first time, and even if you're one of the few who really liked it the first time around, you're still not entirely sure just what happened. That's not to say Point Break is dense with meaning like The Big Lebowski, or that any of it flies over your head. It's not, and it doesn't. But it's a strange mixture of tones. I can never quite decide whether Point Break is bad good or good good, and that's part of why I keep watching. And then here's here's that, you know, homoerotic thing that you were mentioning. Um, April Wolf, revisiting the film for Rolling Stone in 2018, writes, The male gaze objectifies. The female gaze humanizes. It reinforces the idea that the whole package, and not just an errant body part, is sexy, no matter what the gender identity is. And nowhere is this concept more evident than in Catherine Bigelow's 1991 Wet Western Point Break, <laughs> a film that redefined the action genre with two key elements, intimacy and equality. Laugh all you want. This is the greatest female gaze action movie ever. There you go. So you're looking forward to this? Sure, why not? <laughs> uh, one other thing I will mention, relating back to our earlier conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, this film inspired a piece of cult live theater, Point Break Live, on stage. Sure. In which the role of Johnny Utah is played every night by an audience member chosen by popular acclaim after a brief audition process. The new Keanu reads all of his or her lines from cue cards for the duration of the show to capture the rawness of a Keanu Reeves performance. That's just disrespectful. <laughs> That's not funny. And I have absolutely no doubt that random audience no. members give better performances no. as Johnny Utah. <laughs> no. It takes a brilliant actor to make what he does look easy. It doesn't look it, easy. No. It looks no, painfully no, hard the way No, because obviously like, oh, I can it. just get up there and be Keanu Reeves. And then you get up there and you realize, no, you can't. Why? Because you lack the fucking depth. Like so, the Dolly Parton line, like, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. That's Keanu Reeves. It takes a lot of fucking work and talent and and just brilliance. To look this bad. To look is how that not sentence bad. Ends. Not the way bad. you just constructed not it is bad. how that sentence no, ends. Because now you're saying Dolly Parton looks bad and now I'm going to have to fight you. Because she doesn't. <laughs> She is just an angel. <laughs> I, I have no problem with Dolly. Well, you just said she looks bad. you cannot compare Keanu Reeves to Dolly Parton. Yes, I can. What I'm saying is mm -hmm. his gift is making, <laughs> it's a gift you know, now. people like he's you gift, he's gifted. who can only write about films, mm -hmm. can't yeah. actually star in them, mm -hmm. feel better. Feel three, superior. I, I forgot to mention, he's a three-time nominee, by the way, for the uh, Golden Raspberry Worst Actor of the Year Award. That doesn't mean anything to me. Quite an honor. Again, it's a bunch of nerds behind the computer who want to be able to shit on the hot <laughs> I, actor. I, I see. Okay. Who actually has talent. Who actually has depth. Who actually stretches himself. Shouldn't we be applauding him for saying, you know what, I'm going to go do some Shakespeare. <laughs> I'm going to go work with uh, John uh, fucking Malkovich. That's called stretching yourself. That's called challenging yourself. That's called showing your range. He did do Hamlet on stage at one there point. You go. And it was reportedly uh, better than expected. Take that as you will. So what are you expecting from this film? It sounds like, I mean, at the very least, you should be looking forward to the Keanu-ness of it. 
Well, I am deeply looking forward to the Keanu-ness of it. I'm hoping it's not Top Gun um, on water. You enjoy Patrick Swayze? I mean, we, we, I do love in Patrick all this Swayze. Keanu talk, we have not talked about yes. Patrick. We will do that another time. Yes. I think Roadhouse is on our list, so maybe we'll okay. we'll talk about Patrick at that point. But you like, you like Patrick Swayze. Patrick is a gentle soul. Yes. And I think he should have dated Penny. <laughs> in Dirty Dancing? Yeah, mm. I, re- I really do. Like, Penny, that's my Penny had a lot thing. of stuff going on. She did. But if she had been with Patrick, she wouldn't have gotten, you know, the the, the alley abortion. <laughs> he would have taken care of her. And they would have been beautiful together. What about Baby? Fuck Baby. <laughs> You're putting Baby in the corner? I'm putting Baby in the Baby belongs in the corner. She was one of, like, the Peace Corps or something anyway. Like, <laughs> she carried a watermelon. She's tiring. <laughs> baby was tiring. <laughs> Just stop. All right. Go be with Penny. Dance. Make love to, you know, Motown classics. <laughs> he was awesome. He was fucking hot in that movie. All right. Any final thoughts before we go watch Point Break? <laughs> no. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> let's hang 10. That, ugh. <laughs> no, we're not. Don't do that. I'll surf for lingo. Yeah, but you don't surf, so you can't. <laughs> I have surfed. When? What universe have you surfed? I went to college in California. And you surfed. A uh, couple times, yes. Not, not really. No, you did. Okay, so don't you know build yourself to. to it's, it's all lies. You didn't serve. You don't know my life. I know you didn't serve. The ultimate rush. Nothing that comes close to it. Not even sex. We are the ex-president. Total commitment. It's a real thin line between life and death. I'm not a not tragic to die doing what you love. If you want the ultimate, you got to be willing to pay the ultimate price. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and please don't forget to vote. You want to nail the bank robbers and be a big hero? Definitely. The ex-presidents are surfers. You're trying to tell me the FBI is going to pay me to learn to surf. Fear causes hesitation. Hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. We'll take you to the edge. Past it. This is going to be a great day, Johnny. The taxpayers of like at Utah, they knew that they were paying a federal agent to surf and pick up girls. Babes. Big one. The correct term is babes, sir. And we're back. During the break, Nakia and I watched Point Break. <laughs> Nakia, what what did you make of this action epic? I think it is a beautiful love story. <laughs> and an incisive critique of American capitalism. Ooh, okay. And toxic masculinity. I am looking forward to hearing you unpack all of that for us. 
and parse point break for meaning. Yeah, that's total bullshit. That was English essay bullshit there. So a love story, you mean a love story between uh, Keanu Reeves, Johnny Utah, and uh, Lori Petty's surfer Tyler? I do not. That's not the love story you mean. No, that is, no. The love story I am referring to is the true love story between Keanu Reeves's Johnny Utah and Patrick Swayze's Bodie. <laughs> Bodie. <laughs> The guru of the, the surf. This is like how you thought Maverick and, and Goose were the real love story. Um, oh, no, Maverick and uh, Iceman, Iceman were the real yes, love story because of it Top was Gun. the true love story of Top Gun. <laughs> there was more chemistry there than between he and whatever the chick's name. I don't even remember her name. There are a lot of parallels yes, here, aren't there? There are. It's just a, it's a, it, it, but it challenges those ideas. It's, it's of definitely masculine. in that genre. But yes. You even have the. The beach football scene it's very lovely. that sort of matches with the volleyball scene mm-hmm. in uh, mm-hmm. in Top Gun. Yeah, but okay. So let's let's tackle this from the top. Okay, we start out and let's get it right out of the way. Catherine Bigelow can direct. This she is can a direct a this fucking is movie. a much better directed film. Yeah. than it has any right to be. Yes, there are some beautiful shots in this yes. film. Yes, it is not for nothing that she was the first woman ever to win an Oscar mm-hmm. for Best Director. Mm-hmm. She probably should have won one for Point Break. <laughs> I I don't know that I would go that far. <laughs> that feels like a stretch. To I don't me. think it is. I really don't. <laughs> Okay, so we start out with the with the opening sequence. We get this sort of montage that is intercutting surfing scenes. And I guess that's supposed to be Bodhi surfing, right? I think it's supposed to be Bodhi, yeah. Um, all the surfing scenes in this film are sort of backlit and silhouetted. Mm-hmm. So you can't quite make out the fact that it's probably a stunt surfer and not either of the two actors. And then intercut with that, we get Keanu Reeves in the rain for some reason mm-hmm. on a training course, an FBI training course, shooting targets. Well, you're going to have to shoot people in the rain. He's so basically playing, what was that video game? Hogan's Alley or something it was? Called. It was before your time. Yeah, Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> These pop-up targets come up and you have to shoot them with your, with your gun. Our older listeners will sure. will remember that. Okay, we had the ones with the ducks. I don't remember S- what that same was idea. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this is our first sort of thematic moment, right? You have this sort of lyrical elegance of this surfing montage intercut with the sort of hyper masculine footage of Keanu shooting various targets in the, as you said, in the rain uh, during target practice. So it's like these two ideas of sort of masculinity and strength and, uh, and sort of strength of man versus the strength of nature. There's a whole bunch of shit going on here. You're going deep on this There's a lot of shit going on in this movie, man. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. You got to be brave enough to look. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you maybe took more from this than I, I did. I took a whole lot more so, from this. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to let you let you drive on this one. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is very good at shooting. He gets 100% yes. on this target range, which is the first of many things in this film that I find implausible. I don't know why. That I find unconvincing. I don't know why. Because it's Keanu Reeves. See, you're bringing just, you are not letting Keanu be great. That's your own <laughs> hang up. He graduated 2% in the top 2% yeah, of his class uh-huh. at Quantico. And he, was, and he was a Rose Bowl Football quarterback player, star. Okay? He's fucking Johnny uh-huh. Utah. <laughs> An FBI agent. Okay. <laughs> you better put some respect on his name. I will say this is 
obviously more in Keanu's wheelhouse sure. than, say, Shakespeare. And here we go again. Or 18th century French drama mm-hmm. or any of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I could almost buy him in this as long as he wasn't, you know, trying to emote or be funny or do anything smart on screen. He was doing all of those things. Yeah. Yes, that was part of my problem no, with the film. No. This is, see, you're just, you're biased against Keanu Reeves, and I don't understand why. I think you just, you know, you're intimidated by him, quite frankly. <laughs> okay, but let's get back to the story here. So, sure. he, yes, he is a rookie FBI agent, mm-hmm. and we meet his his boss, his supervisor, the John Bob. C. McGinley, who you refer to as... The Bob. The Bob. One, one of the Bobs. Of, one of the Bobs from Office Space. <laughs> and this is one of your favorite kinds of characters, this guy. Yeah, the angry supervisor who's just like, I'm not taking your shit, you're a dumbass <laughs> kid. I, don't, I believe he says that Keanu is young, dumb, and full of cum. Which yes. Is, there is so much just, of that language yeah, here. There's a lot of that, just, again, hyper-masculine, just yeah. ridiculous shit, like who says that in the real life? The guys in the FBI calling each other hard-ons yeah, and just, saying they're jerking off. It's a little off bit and, ridiculous. Yeah, it's, yeah. But yes, this is the basically the angry drill sergeant, mm-hmm. the angry police sergeant, mm-hmm. the, you know, damn it, you're a loose cannon guy. But I'm going to let you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, which we will talk about. <laughs> that is one of the many ridiculous elements of this movie. <laughs> Uh, and we meet his partner. Gary motherfucking Busey. <laughs> Gary motherfucking Busey. Yes. Who's not happy to be paired up with the young jock coming in from Ohio. <laughs> no, because he was taking shrapnel in, in Kason you yes. were rubbing crap yes. on your face. They're always in Kason. <laughs> I know. Like, everybody was in Kason. Every, everybody was in Kason. <laughs> Kason was a rough time for everyone. It was like Woodstock. Yeah. Just like everybody was there. And I think he said, while he was in Kason, Johnny Utah was rubbing shit on his face. Yeah, or crap it in your hands and, and rubbing rub it, it on, on your, your face. face. Which, is that a thing I, babies do? I guess. I maybe. <laughs> And then, and then we learn about this case that yes. that Gary Busey's Angelo has been working. Yes. So Johnny Utah has been transferred to L.A. to work with Gary Busey, who's Papas? Is that his name? Papas? Yeah. Angelo. They, he calls him Angelo most of the movie, uh, right? But yeah, it it's Papas. Papas. Yeah. Um, I like Papas better. Okay. Because um, <laughs> it's sort of like Papa. And then you get this weird, you know, like father-son sort of relationship going <laughs> there. Papa, between can you hear exactly. me? Um, right. So he's, they're working on this case that Pappas has been working on for a number of years. Um, there's this elite troop of bank robbers. <laughs> the best I've ever seen. Who wear masks of our ex-presidents, including Reagan, Carter, Nixon, and Johnson. <laughs> and Pappas has cracked the code here and realizes that these ex-presidents are surfers. Because <laughs> one of them has a tan line on their butt. Like a surfer tan line. That is indicative of a In surfer. LA. Like, is that really such a specific signifier? But then there was also some science there. Because then there was, like, there was a specific wax. Okay, that comes later. Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, you're right. Oh, you're yeah, right. right. Yeah, that's right there. Yes. yes, you're right. So there was, like, they have a tendency to, like, jump on the, the like, counters of the banks, and there was some sort of wax residue left from one of their right. shoes. and Wax know. that's apparently in a million things, yeah. but one of them being surfboard wax. wax. Yes. So, you know, took it to the crime lab. <laughs> and they figured out that it was p- quite possibly this this wax that surfers use on their boards. Yeah. And so that's where he sort of came up with this idea that they are, it must be 
this troop of surfers. Plus, they only rob banks in the, the summertime. Summer. Right. So they, you know, they ride the waves. They're following the waves. Yeah. So it's, uh-huh. it's, it's fucking genius, actually. Um, <laughs> so that's how we... And here we leap immediately to the next logical step. You got to embed with the surf. Which is to have Keanu Reeves learn to surf. Yeah, you got to embed. And hang out mm-hmm. at the beach. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, 80,000 miles of coastline in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's going to go just, you know, pick a beach and hang out and, and learn to surf. Yes. And being from Ohio, he is not and good at it. Someone in the FBI approves this plan. Because why wouldn't like, you? Like, there's a budget, there's, you know. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> this is the only way we're going to crack this case. Based on the tan line of one robber's ass. And the and sex wax. And a little trace of, of sex wax. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Open and shut case, really. Yeah, really. So, yeah, they go and buy Keanu the loudest surfboard I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. And it pretty much says, I'm a fed. And uh, Well, the, the first time they go to the beach, they're both in their suits. Carrying the surfboard. Carrying the surfboard. Yeah. And several times throughout the film, Keanu Reeves uses his walkie-talkie yeah. on the beach. Because he's hidden in a towel. So <laughs> there's no way anybody sees him talking into his towel. Not at all suspicious. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. It's a genius. Genius plan. Um. So, yes. Yeah, so he goes to the beach... And his first time How out... How hard can it be, he says. Right. His first time out on the water, he realizes it's very hard. <laughs> Surfing is difficult, and you it, it takes some skill and some practice. Luckily, well, not luckily, uh, he basically drowns, right? Yeah, you know, uh, pretty he, much, yeah. He mm-hmm. nearly drowns. <laughs> and then is saved by uh, Lori Petty, who plays Tyler. Tyler. And she does, you know, the responsible thing, which is say, are you okay? And then she says, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Don't kill yourself near me, please. Go somewhere else and do that shit. And he says, my name's Johnny. And she says, I don't Who care. cares? <laughs> and you, surfs you're away. You're a fucking moron. <laughs> and so then we get... Wait, so let's so let's stop there okay. for a second. Because I love Lori Betty. Okay. Lori Betty is great. I actually haven't seen her in a lot of things. So I, I've seen her in A League of Their Own. Yeah. And I think I saw a little bit of Tank Girl. Maybe we should watch Tank Girl one of these days. That's a good I one. I think I've seen at least parts of it. Yeah. I remember parts of it. Um, But I haven't had a whole lot of experience with Lori Petty. And she's great in this. And I think this is... This is Catherine Bigelow's influence on this. We talk about the female gaze mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. Because apparently in the script, that character was, she had a different name and she was much more of like a blonde. Bombshell type. You know, bimbo yeah. surfer chick. Mm-hmm. And Lori Petty is kind of androgynous, mm-hmm. very tough. Yeah. And she has an androgynous name, Tyler. And the short haircut. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And her balanced against, quite Her- frankly, the femininity the pretty Keanu. of Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. is a nice is yeah. a nice pairing. Yeah. No, I thought I definitely thought that was interesting and I I remember what you said about the sort of the different gazes when um after he nearly drowns, he goes to do what I consider to be very obvious stakeout on uh Lori Petty where he's basically just in a car. Okay, is, is that a stakeout or is he stalking well, her? That's a question, right? Um so <laughs> <laughs> He's using, you know, FBI binoculars, so we're going to call it legit. But he's basically watching her change out of her bathing suit and yeah. into her regular clothes. Uh-huh. And it's all done very strategically. Like, you never see anything, really. But he's uh, he's enjoying it. But that's 
really the only time that she is treated in the way that female characters in that role would typically be treated. Like, where right. It's very much like an ogling of her physicality, yeah. but in the same way that you're doing that. There, she, is, there is no objectification of, yeah. of female bodies no, in this that's movie. that's really the only moment that you get of that, and it's very... Even later when we get a naked woman fighting, we do not... <laughs> See, because she's kicking ass. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it still doesn't feel exploitative in the way that it may have yeah. felt in the hands of another director, or if it wasn't Lori Petty, if it was a, f- a woman who had had that more sort of typical beach Baywatch sort of body. I mean, this does to some extent feel like kind of a Michael Bay movie, mm-hmm. but a Michael Bay movie would have been objectifying yeah. every female body, yeah. you know, every bikini bombshell on the beach. Mm-hmm. It would have been wall to wall that. Yeah. So you can really feel the, you can really feel Bigelow behind the camera here. And it was actually and one of the reasons why I say it's really the love story between Johnny Utah and Bodie is because, so Johnny Utah does some intel back at FBI headquarters (laughs) on Tyler. He realizes that he's trying to look for sort of an in for how he can sort of talk to her. And he realizes that her parents died. I, was it like a car crash or something yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, I could use that. Yeah. Um, so he goes. Which is gross. I mean, the FBI is gross. Uh, so right. <laughs> we can talk about a whole, that's a whole other podcast, <laughs> right? So he goes back to find her at like her, she's a waitress at some place on the beach. And so he goes and he basically lies about the fact that his own, his parents also died in a car yeah. crash just to sort of gain her trust. And, and he learned to like live for today. Right. And, and so that's why I want to serve yeah. because mm-hmm. I was a lawyer because my parents wanted me to be a lawyer and she falls for it. Yeah. So she takes him out and they do, there's a whole training surfing montage and then after that he sees Bodie who we learn will be in the future will, is Bodie surfing the waves and the way that shot is filmed is actually much more loving and lascivious in a way that sensuous. Sensual in a way that the scene where he, where Johnny Utah is spying on Tyler get undressed mm-hmm. did not have the same sort of energy right. and tension yeah. that that scene where Johnny Utah sees Bodie surfing for the first time, and it's all sort of backlit with a yeah. sunset. And, and Bodie is like fucking those waves. Yeah, I mean, he it's, is like, it's, he is gorgeous up there, and you can see Johnny Utah fall in love with him in that very <laughs> moment. He's like, "Oh my god, who's that?" And Tyler's like, "It's fucking Bodie, dude." Yeah, and that's where we meet Bodie. <laughs> okay, so then they. They they actually meet because yes. Bodie and Tyler know each other. They, they have a history. Date. They yes. used to date. So I just want to point out here that we you know we talked about the the very loose evidence that made them decide that these were surfers. Mm-hmm. We talked about the very random <laughs> plan to embed him on a random beach. All the beaches. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. He has met the exact people he needed to yes. know to crack this case on the first beach he went to the first yes, time he served. But does not know that. <laughs> has no idea. Why? Because he's so captivated by Bodie's golden shag. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> Would you like to talk about that for a little bit? I just... Here's the thing. Patrick Swayze... Because since we watched the movie, you've said it a lot. Because he's... I would absolutely rob banks with him. <laughs> because he's stunning. He is a stunning... <laughs> that haircut should not work. It should be a deal breaker. Yeah. It's a blonde shag. Yeah. And he has like Very this, sun bleached. He's very sun bleached and just and he has the wispy sort of goatee mustache thing. Which going you don't on. like. You I don't I, again you're not do into not that. like it. Do not enjoy it. And yet <laughs> I understand Johnny Utah's infatuation. Where Bobby. does this feature on the on the Patrick Swayze over as far as hottest? Oh 
Okay, so above ghosts. Okay. But below Dirty Dancing. Still below Dirty Dancing. Because okay, Dirty, I mean, I he wondering. can dance in Dirty oh, Like yeah, he's so that's, that's a, a there's a lot of hip action going on in Dirty Dancing <laughs> that you just cannot deny. And there's something a little like the sort of greaser style he has in it that's mm-hmm. like, you know, that, it, yeah, it's yeah. a little like okay. cigarettes rolled up in the t shirt cuff sort of thing. So yeah. Okay. But it's, it's, it does something for me. It's pretty nice. <laughs> Okay, so he is, uh, this is where we get the football scene. Yes. Which Keanu excels at because he is, again, a ex-Rose Bowl Mm -hmm. playing quarterback. Behind the scenes, by the way, and you can see it in the way those shots are edited, Keanu could not throw a football. (laughs) Doesn't he play in another football film? (laughs) I think he does. I think he does. Like the replacements or something? Nonetheless, I read that, yes, they they tried to work with Keanu and he just could not fucking throw a football. Because Keanu's above it. He's above these trivial, you know, shows of masculinity. <laughs> but yeah, so we have the the night beach scene where um, all of the guys and Tyler are playing football. Uh, and Johnny Utah gets a little serious about it because he played real football and tackles the shit out of Bodie. Is, is that why he tackles Bodie? You think it's a, I want to touch you sort I of thing? I think maybe. I it think could it might be, be both. a little bit. Mm-hmm. It could be both. <laughs> I just can't keep my hands <laughs> off this guy. I need to drag him down into the surf. But yes, it's, so it's all of them either shirtless or in sort of cut-off t-shirts. Mm-hmm. It's very, very lovely. Um, and that's when Bodie announces, Don't you know who this is? This is Johnny Utah. He played in the Rose Bowl in Ohio. Which Bodie doesn't seem like the type that would even know. He does not seem like about that. About no. that sort of thing, but no, apparently he does. But, and, and everybody was like, Oh man, you're cool. And so that's where they become friends and he's he's... He ends up close into the... Also, I mean, someone famous being undercover like that seems like... Probably a bad idea. This was pre-internet. I mean, I guess today it wouldn't work. Because you just, like, fucking Google Johnny Utah and it's like, oh, he joined the FBI. He's an FBI agent After school. Not a lawyer. (laughs) But okay. Okay. So then uh, I think the next day we're back at the FBI lab. Yes, because what we've found is that they found a hair sample... (laughs) That have very particular elements in it this, of just like arsenic or some, some this shit. This is just some Sherlock Holmes. It was bullshit. wonderful, and so it was like if we could find the exact percentages of these metals in another hair sample, then we can locate which beach it's coming from. Which it doesn't make it's any. It does not brilliant. make any sense. What's better is their plan is we're gonna go walk on the beach and just snatch people's hair. <laughs> we're just gonna do it. We're going to go up to random stone Gary Busey's on the beach. is the worst because he's just like, I'm going to cut this hair off. <laughs> no warrant. No explanation. Of, you're, you're just collecting yeah. DNA samples. with. That's just hey, kid. Give me some hair. illegal, man. <laughs> Civil liberties just trampled all on. You know, Johnny Utah at least tries to come up with some sort of ruse of like, oh, there's a bug in your ear. Right. Let me get it. And right. then snatches. Yeah, no, Busey doesn't have time yeah, for no, that Yeah, no, he's shit. just like, I'm, I'm the FBI. I'm going to take your hair. your hair. Like, That's illegal. Like, <laughs> you can't do that. But they get their hair samples, and it works. They narrow it down to the exact beach that... <laughs> the surfer, the robber ex-presidents have been totally frequenting. Totally works. 
In the meantime... Which, again, I think is just not how surfing... I don't think you go to the same beach. I think you follow the waves. You go to No, wherever. you probably go to the same... Like, if there's, like, a... Yeah, one is probably, like, a turf that. thing of, like, this is our turf. I mean, they have surf reports in California mm-hmm. that tell you, like, what beach has the best waves at that particular mm-hmm. moment. So it's more and follow the waves. It's more not, follow the okay. waves. It's not like, okay, I'm going to go to my favorite beach every day. Okay, so. well, that doesn't work yeah, with none science. Of, so. None of this that makes any sense. Because the science means Nothing I need to Nothing in this entire movie specific makes beach. a bit of sense. Totally makes sense. <laughs> Whereas if you were in Lake Michigan, it would just be all E. coli. Like, where's the E. coli? It's the whole fucking beach. <laughs> That's the lake. The whole lake is E. coli. <laughs> we can't narrow it down because the whole lake is E. coli. Um, in the meantime, Johnny Utah is still fucking up in the water. Yeah. Running into people, getting punched in the face because he's running into people. And, and this, this is where we meet the Nazis, right? This is where we meet the Nazi surfers. Um, and one of them is played by... Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> which I fucking love. I was like, is that Anthony Kiedis? And it is. It's usually the other guy you see in movies. Flea. Flea, yeah. Was it, which was in The Big Lebowski, which I think we mentioned at the top of the oh, show. Oh, I forgot. Sort of, he's one of the nihilists, Yeah, he's isn't one he? of the nihilists. And now Anthony Kiedis is a Nazi, so. <laughs> at least <laughs> it's an me, ethos. Makes me wonder about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> they are actually very cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little bit of a Red Hot Chili Peppers crush uh-huh. briefly in high school. Okay. So, I always love to see them pop up in things. But yeah, so they sort of try to rough up Johnny Utah while he's... Because he was crashing into people Taking a beach shower. And, uh-huh. So again, we get uh, Keanu in water, just because, <laughs> why not? Um, it just falls so lovely off the planes of his face. Oh, it's just Jesus. a moment. Um, so yeah, they're roughing him up. And so we come back to the walkie-talkie towel. <laughs> yeah. Which is just slightly to the side of where this melee is happening. Yeah. And Gary Busey is screaming into the walkie-talkie, trying to get Johnny Utah's attention to see, like, what's happening, what's going on, do you need my help? To me, it would seem like they would hear that and be like, why is there a walkie-talkie in your towel and why is someone <laughs> asking you? They don't. So fine. Totally cool undercover maintained but Bodhi comes up to save the day flexes his muscle a little bit he's like you know he's with me leave him alone uh, don't bother him and then we get two on two karate fucking movie <laughs> where they fight the nazi surfers yeah together which back to back you know if that isn't male bonding i, I mean, don't know what is it's just a beautiful moment you beat up nazis together you're pretty much bros yeah. for life yeah that's what happened in case on <laughs> okay <laughs> There's a whole history problem there we're, we're not even going to deal with right now. Not even going to attempt to tackle that right now. <laughs> okay, so then what? We got the party at Bodie's house, I think. Yeah. Next, right? So now they've bonded and Bodie's invited. Yeah, Bodie's like, hey, I'm having a party at my house tonight. Yeah. Do you want to come? Um, and so this we're at- beach house. It's an amazing like- beach house that you can afford because you rob banks. Um, <laughs> it's a lovely thing and there are beautiful women and beautiful men dancing and enjoying Coronas um, mm-hmm. and it's lovely. And then and we are sitting around a fire and we get the sort of philosophy of Bodhi and, you know, riding waves is a state of mind. You find yourself and you lose yourself at the same time. <laughs> He's such a Zen master. He's so fucking Zen. And it's it's either... He's the dude you meet in college and you lose your virginity to, and then you look back and you're like, I was a fucking You're idiot. like, that guy was full of shit. <laughs> I can't like, believe I fell for that. <laughs> <laughs> but in the moment, 
he is enlightenment and he is everything and he has unlocked all these doors. Now, you would think an FBI agent would be able to sort of see through that, but he, Johnny Utah, is deep in love. Well, he he basically is a college freshman girl. Yeah, he really is. So he's all in and he's all about... we hear about this 50-year storm that's coming that Bodhi is planning to serve, even though it'll probably kill him. Yes. And he says... It's not tragic to die doing what you love. Doing what you love. Again, bullshit-ass statement. (laughs) That sounds really good in the moment. you always say in this experiment that you see these movies too late. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt watching this. Like, if I had been 14 when I saw Point Break, probably it would have seemed very deep and very zen and, you know, like just a great action movie with meaning. Mm-hmm. See, uh, I feel that way. I feel like it is an still? action okay. film. Now, I know the meaning is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I can appreciate a, an action film that came out in 91 that actually said, hey, maybe let's question capitalism a little bit. <laughs> like, that opening... Okay, we haven't talked about that. That opening bank robbery is yes. what you're talking about, right? So the opening bank robbery. So again, they are wearing the masks of uh, American ex-presidents, and they have a whole sort of fucking alternative history lesson in the moment where they're telling the people in the bank, you know, we've been screwing you for years. <laughs> a few more minutes. A few more minutes hurt. isn't going to hurt you. <laughs> the money's insured, so it's not worth, li- you know, losing uh-huh. your life for. Like, there's, you know, and then tells them, don't forget to vote. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> like, there are so many sort of layers to this film and so Subtle critiques. <laughs> subtle. Okay. Of, we're using the word subtle? I think we're using the word subtle. Okay. All right. Of the American sort of capitalist heteronormative system. <laughs> I think it's fucking brilliant. Uh, okay. So getting back to mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where were we in this story? I think then we're at the night surfing. They yeah. all go night surfing, whatever. Is that super safe? Again, it's well shot. It is very beautiful. Um <laughs> And that's where I, now Johnny Utah is getting his groove on. He's he's actually managing to, to ride some big waves. He is doing... Side by side with Bodhi. Bodhi says, feel what the wave is doing and accept its energy, which is a very sexual thing to say. <laughs> and, yeah. Okay. And then... Uh, he and Tyler get it on. Then he and Tyler get it on. Yeah. And it, it really does feel... Like he was thinking about Bodhi the whole time? A little bit like he was thinking yeah. about Bodhi the whole time. Because he was. Because we have all the energy from those surfing scenes transferred to them. They just sort of kiss on the surfboard sitting there in the water. And then we cut to the next morning. Right. We don't even get the love scene. No. Because it's so not about that. No. <laughs> he wanted to be making love to Bodhi. Uh-huh. But he had to settle for Tyler. <laughs> Poor Tyler. Well, she probably was thinking about Bodhi, too, actually, so, you know. Everybody should be thinking about Bodhi. So, in the meantime, Johnny Utah thinks that he has identified the surfer robbers, that it must be those Nazi surfers that are trying to, were trying to rough him up at the beach. So oh, we, that's right. He's not even suspicious yeah. of Bodhi at this no, point. No, no. That's right. I no, forgot that. Why would you be suspicious of Bodhi? Um, <laughs> so. Well, the beach house. <laughs> you know. You know, did we ever ask Bodhi what he does for a job? Is he, he, you know. You know. The universe provides, man. So we've been staking out the Nazi surfers, and we think that it's them. And there's this whole sting operation set up uh, where they have staked out the Nazi surfer home, and they're getting ready to just sort of bum rush in. And... Johnny Utah is late getting to his own stakeout, which you and I, because he was with mm-hmm. Tyler, point out that maybe he shouldn't be there like, given that. Right. Why the fuck? You are undercover. undercover. These guys know you from the beach. Why sh- are you even yeah. there? So, but maybe because they thought that they had found the guys, it wouldn't matter anyway. But yeah, I just, that was to me an unnecessary risk. Yeah. But anyway. 
So then there's this huge shootout in the Nazi Right, so Gary Busey is, is pretending to be this guy looking for his dog, yes. knocking on the door. Yes. Meanwhile, Keanu is at the back of the house mm-hmm. with a little mirror thing peeking in the windows. And he sees that they have an arsenal he of does. Just... We do get the one, I think, the one female objectification shot, which is just a silhouette of a woman in a shower. In a shower, yes. And she does look like, it's the, very much the playboy shower yeah. pose. How no one takes a shower. Uh, but that's, I think that's the only, literally the only shot in the movie that's like that. Uh, but then he sees, yeah, all these Nazis are like, they have an arsenal yeah, of weaponry. Yeah, they are heavily armed. Heavily that armed. they have, just the guy knocking on the door has decided yeah. they need to get all their guns out. Yeah. If that was really a dude looking for a <laughs> dog, twitchy, he would be dead. These are some twitchy, Nazi yes. surfers. They are ready for a party. <laughs> so then there's a very unorganized shootout yes. that happens in the house. Which I, I like the disorganization of that shootout. It's a great Because it is sequence. shot, you could look at it and say it's just not shot very well, the action sequences, but I think that's the point. Yeah. It's very not choreographed, not mm-hmm. glamorized. Mm-hmm. Somebody gets shot in the foot Anthony at Nikitas. one point. Was that him? That okay. was Anthony Kiedis who shoots himself in the foot, actually. <laughs> yes. So it's just very haphazard and not very glamorized. And this is where we meet the baddest woman to ever take oh a shower. Oh my god. This is the woman. Film. Yes, she comes out of the shower naked. And again, we don't we know she's naked, but we don't again it doesn't it's linger not, on that fact. Right, it's yeah, not objectifying. Yeah. yeah. Uh but she is a fucking terror. Yeah. She basically beats the shit out of Johnny Utah <laughs> because he's fucking with, you know, her men. Like, all these Nazis with their machine guns are yeah. not as effective as this one she woman. She took his ass out. And then she stabbed another dude in the back. <laughs> like, she was a fucking beast coming through there with no clothes, like, no towel. No and nothing. there's, like, seven FBI agents in the house. I'm like, can someone get control she's of this naked out. woman? She's taking him out. Quite frankly, she should have been the one running that whole thing. <laughs> because obviously she's the most confident criminal there. But a lot of people die. Yeah. A lot of people are injured. Yeah. Uh, and then problem number 85 with this whole operation. No, we need to go back. before. I know where you're going with this, but okay. let's go back because I don't I don't want to skip over the lawnmower scene. Oh, God. Check off lawnmower. <laughs> so at the start of the stakeout, the neighbor of the house beside the Nazi surfer house is mowing his lawn with the loudest lawnmower you've ever heard in your life. And while Johnny Utah is trying to be on the Utah, on the uh, walkie-talkie with his colleagues, they can't hear him because he, the lawnmower is too fucking loud. And instead of just saying, hey, dude, can you turn your lawnmower off? We're trying to, like, I got my FBI jacket on. Right. I have a gun out. Yeah, maybe there's badge. some shit going down. You maybe want to go back in your house. No, no. <laughs> so the shootout happens, and then Johnny Utah is chasing one of the suspects out into the yard where the gentleman is mowing the lawn. And he and the suspect sort of tussle on the ground and... And it gets to the point where you know somebody's face is going to get like ripped off by the lawnmower because the lawnmower is there. You're going to have to use the lawnmower. And it's 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 one of those lawnmowers where the blades are just right. like it's exposed. Just ridiculous, and, right? Yeah. Like meant to chop somebody's face off. Uh, and so there's a moment when the suspect has Keanu's face very close to the blades and we're thinking, oh, that pretty face is gone. But he doesn't. And then nobody gets chopped up by the fucking lawnmower. It's a no, waste of it, a lawnmower. It, yeah, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit anticlimactic. Gary Busey just ends up shooting the Like dude. not even the bad guy yeah. gets thrown into the it's lawnmower just, so anything you know it was a tease really uh but gary bc shoots him right or takes him down takes or him something, something. I don't and then the guy is arrested but yeah oh yes because he says as he's pointing his gun at the suspect he says speak into the microphone squid brain, <laughs> squid brain. which again <laughs> what who says that was that even mean 
Which is what I should have said when I opened this episode, I realized afterwards when I, you yes. know, when I do my little, my lovely wife Nakia thing, that should have been the line you there. You should have told me to speak into the microphone, into the squid, microphone brain. squid brain. It's a missed opportunity. This is why Gary Busey has the career he has, and <clears throat> you have the career you have. Does, does Gary Busey really have the career we think Gary Busey has? Well, we see Gary I feel Busey. like Gary Busey is mostly famous for being Gary Busey. He's in a lot of shit, though. Yeah, is he? I think name so. Name some shit Gary Busey well, is in. Well, I can't name it, okay. but I, there's always a like, oh, that's Gary Busey. Like, I feel like he's that guy. <laughs> like, Gary Busey's in a lot of shit. But I couldn't tell you what Gary Busey was in. And there's a whole Busey family dynasty now. Yeah, you know, we like, were talking like about the that. Barrymores. Yes, or the Baldwins. <laughs> or the Baldwins. Um, okay, but yes, carry on. You were about to talk about the amazing coordination of operations yeah. within the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So this is why, like, shit like Bay of Pigs and all that, like, <laughs> it's not so, like, they obviously don't talk and have, like, something, something, there's some shit wrong. So we see, is that Tom Sizemore? That is Tom Sizemore. Is, uh, comes out and he's like, you fuckheads, you ruined my <laughs> fucking shit. Because he apparently had been undercover with the Nazi surfers trying to... Uh, break up their, like, drug ring or yeah, something was yeah. going and, like, he was this close to figuring out who the supplier was, and you fucking ruined my shit. They all report to the Bob. <laughs> the Bob knows about Tom Sizemore's Who is operation. suddenly on the scene and bitching about it. He also knows about uh, Johnny Utah's operation. Right. And never once did he say... <laughs> We're all talking about the same surfers. Make sure that you coordinate your shit so that you don't ruin his operation and you don't ruin his Plus, operation. Tom Sizemore, who has been with these people for months, has, like, alibis for them and knows they yes. didn't rob the banks. That could have been just a phone call. Yes. this You got the wrong surfers. <laughs> yes, they're Nazis. Yes, they're drug dealers. But they are not the bank robbers. <laughs> Maybe don't come busting into the door. Don't come busting into the door, murdering people who didn't need to be murdered. <laughs> The Bob does not do that. No. The Bob gets indignant and is like, you fucked up on this shit. And again, right. you are the point of connection, Bob. <laughs> what What would you say it is you, you do, do here? Bob. <laughs> TPS reports got lost because that, that really shouldn't have happened. And it makes me concerned about the FBI. Do you take messages from the one <laughs> FBI agent to the other FBI agent? Well, no, I don't actually take the messages. <laughs> Okay, so that was, gonna, that turns out to have been a dead end. Not gonna work here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that turns out to have been a dead end. Yes, now. wrong surfers. Yeah, uh, but fortunately, the next time he's out surfing with Bodie and his crew, mm -hmm. who are all we don't really get to know that they're all names like Roach and Weasel and shit Something, like that. Sure. One of them moons like while surfing. Yes. Right. And he sees the suspicious tan line. Because it's identifiable, like a birthmark, <laughs> apparently. Even though the entire point of that was that that is a surfer tan line. Yeah. But he sees that and instantly knows, oh my god, this is the crew I'm looking for. He knows that ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was about to go surfing with them. He sees the ass, the yeah. incriminating ass. The incriminating ass. And he's like, oh, I, I, uh, I got a meeting. I, I got to go. <laughs> Because he's an amazing undercover detective. Yeah. Oh, s s the acting. I mean, the layers of Keanu's acting here. See, I'm. Where I he am, had to you, pretend you to be acting. The acting. I am not. He is acting the character who is acting in the situation. It's all. Oh, it's Inception. God. It's wow. Yes. What level of the dream are we in right it's now? It's brilliant. <laughs> anyway, so he realizes. How does he figure out which bank it is? Uh. 
Oh, he he fall. We don't see that scene, but he says he yes, followed. Bodhi. He follows Bodhi. Bodhi goes and to like first national because like, it's always fucking first national or something. Um, and so he's like, "That's gonna be the bank. That's where they're gonna go." And so he and Gary Busey. <sighs> then we get some some again some just really well organized FBI work yes. here. They're staking out the bank. Gary Busey gets hungry. <laughs> It's like, there's a place over there that sells really good uh, meatball sandwiches. Can you get me two meatball sandwiches and a lemonade? I'm going to wait here in the car. So I'm so hungry, I could eat the ass, ass and end of, of a, a dead yeah, rhino. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Keanu gets goes to this like outdoor stand <laughs> right across the street from the bank. Yeah. And Got his back to the bank. While ordering <laughs> the meatball subs and a tuna sandwich and two lemonades. I remember the order because that was obviously the most important thing happening in that scene. The ex-presidents pull up to the bank. In their masks. And enter the bank. Pour out into the bank. <laughs> and Keanu the does bank. not see it. No. But that's okay, because surely Gary Busey, who was actually in the stakeout car, saw this. Except that he doesn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was reading the fucking funny papers. Yes. <laughs> so Keanu comes back with the meatball suds. And they see them, the, the ex-presidents, leave the bank with the money. And it's like, oh, shit. We, uh, uh, uh. And they chase the ex-presidents in their car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there and is, then, like, Jesus. all kinds of accidents oh, and God. tire blows out or whatever. But anyway, it ends up being that. They're, they're kill- they must kill, like, 14 people during this car people. chase. They're running over shit. This it's is ridiculous. Not pro- this is not FBI protocol, this car chase. Didn't call in backup at any didn't, point. No, n- no. Didn't call Just in the helicopters to get this car. No. Mm-mm. So, at some point, uh, the FBI car breaks uh, down or, like, the tire blows out or some shit. or something, yeah. So, Johnny Utah jumps out of the car and runs on foot chasing Reagan. Yes. And here, again, is an excellent example of Bigelow's work as a director because it is an amazingly shot sequence of what we know to be Bodie as Reagan and Johnny Utah running through alleyways and through homes. Over fences. Over fences. houses. Living room. There's even a point where Reagan throws a dog at Johnny Utah and he, the Utah, like, punts the dog out of the way. <laughs> it's a fucking... Like, there's no reason to kick the dog. Like, you could just... This is the sequence, by the way. This movie had a little, a little renaissance after Hot Fuzz came out. Remember mm. Hot Fuzz? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Nick Frost talks about this scene as you know one of the greatest action scenes of it all time. It is a great scene. It is a very great scene. Um, I will say that John Wick would not appreciate the treatment of dogs, but you know, <laughs> whatever. And so towards the end, uh, Utah busts up the knee that had been busted up from his football days. You're just going to skip right over that gas station scene area. That's after. Is it? Is it before? Or after? It's well. If he the chase is it's, over when yeah. he hurts his knee, so that's right. Right. So <laughs> let's not, because that's actually a very political moment. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm okay. So breathless with anticipation. The ex presidents pull into a gas station to ditch the car and grab another car, and they get in, and then Bodie as Reagan lights the gas pump aflame <laughs> to create an impromptu blowtorch. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. And then just torches uh, their original car in this very just dramatic physics. Pro- you can't just make a flamethrower by lighting a gas station. I think you can pump handle on fire. And it's this wonderful action movie moment of like you see them through the fire, and it's this hazy thing. But here's where it's political, right? Okay, okay. Because 
So I looked this. I was like, wasn't there like some gas shit happening? And so I looked it up. Reagan, one of the first things he did when he got into office was to end price controls on domestic oil that had been put in place in the 70s when when we were trying to like conserve and save Uh on gas Mm -hmm. and and consumption. And, you know, he said, you know, the long national nightmare of energy regulation is over. So you Mm -hmm. have Bodie as Reagan basically ejaculating fire and oil all across this gas station (laughs) and the car that they use to rob the bank, right? And then, this is just a side note, but also during his, after he he was reelected, Reagan removed the solar panels from the White House that Carter had put up there, which I think is just a moment. Mm-hmm. So, right, so there's this whole statement Doubling about, like, down on the exactly, fuels. exactly mm-hmm. about consumption and energy crises and um, the sort of total disregard of the earth on the part of both our political leaders and us as that consumers. That is some deep, deep level analysis. Shit. Like, it matters. Mind it blown. matters. So the way you want to make fun of me, like, mm, that's not possible. It's a fucking statement. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> about a larger thing. The thing is, you don't you don't bring this level of analysis and mm. investment to the the actual good movies we watch. That's the problem. What good with movies the, have we watched? Oh my god! Okay. When you bring me a good movie that is worth my <laughs> remembering the oil crises, I will do so. <laughs> Until then, I will bring the same level of what a black people at. <laughs> analysis. Well, there aren't any in this movie either, so I don't know why you're not singing that song. Because it's the same in about like white American capitalism, consumerism and violence. Mm. We don't have shit to do with that. That's all y'all's poison. That's y'all's burden to bear. Y'all gotta excavate that and work through that without us. Now, are you also killing us in the meantime? Absolutely. But it's your responsibility to work on it. Anyway... All right, yeah, so we got the end of this, the end of this chase. Right, the end of the chase, which is, again, a lovely moment of love, where Johnny Utah is down on the ground with a bum knee, but he has his gun, and he's aiming his gun at Bodie as Reagan, and they lock eyes. Yes. And it's a lovely moment. <laughs> and Johnny Utah can't do it. He can't do it. He, he can't shoot him. He can't shoot him. He can't he loves shoot him too the much. Of his life. And so he randomly, out of frustration, I don't know what it was, just shoots his gun irresponsibly blam, blam, in the blam, air. Blam, blam. <laughs> Spontaneous ejaculation of and bullets. Let's Reagan get into away. The air, probably killing about six people across town. <laughs> bullets come down eventually. Yes, they do. Yeah. Physics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as long as Bodie isn't hurt. So we, we can talk, you know, at the end of the movie and count up the number of times... He should have been fired from the FBI in yeah. this movie, but that's that's probably one of them right there. You know, why did you discharge your weapon, Agent Utah? <laughs> I couldn't shoot him. <laughs> I love him too much. So at this point, Johnny Utah knows that it's Bodie. Yeah. Bodie knows who Johnny Utah is. And Gary Busey knows that. Johnny Utah is too invested he's in, in this. He's in too deep. He says, you're getting too goddamn close to this he's surfing guru buddy of yours. In too deep. Yeah. But, again, have you seen the shag? <laughs> so gorgeous. So gorgeous. Um, and then we get Bodhi's other treatise, which is, you yes, know. Yes, yes. It ne- it's never about the money. He's, he's talking to his gang. Yes. It's about us against the system. Mm-hmm. The system that kills the human spirit. Yeah. So again, we showed them that the human spirit was alive. Yes. So these bank robberies not about the money. Right. It's about, you know, 
what is it? He says at some point something about making your own rules mm-hmm. and carving your own path mm-hmm. and being alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in college. Yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> That's a real panty drop. And I want to follow you wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At 30, (laughs) you're just an unemployed asshole who doesn't want to get a job. Yeah. And that's just not going to (laughs) work. So then Johnny Utah makes yet another odd choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bodie and the crew show up at his house and they're like, hey, why don't you just come with us? Mm-hmm. Johnny Utah goes. Wait, take- is this before or after his confrontation with Tyler? This is after. So, okay, uh, I think see, that I, comes first. Yeah, I totally forget about you, Tyler. You don't she, care about she, the Tyler she, story. She doesn't matter. Right. So Tyler figures out that he's an FBI agent because she finds his badge laying around, which again, you suck at your job. <laughs> if she's sleeping at your house, you maybe want to hide the shit that shows that you're an FBI agent. Well, first of all, you suck at your job if she's sleeping at your house. That's true. Like, that is not also supposed that. to be happening either. And she can access your gun apparently very easily <laughs> because she shoots the pillow next to him, which, good on her for having some aim because that could have gone way left um and then yells at him for lying to her and she's like i bet your parents aren't even dead are they and he's like no they're in ohio they're fine don't you have a soul she says and he doesn't um and he is heartbroken that Tyler oh, i'm has- sorry is that the emotion i was supposed to be getting from his you know his what performance it was. you don't do this from that you know it, it looked was. a lot like his because he calls her his other and leaves moments. her messages he's uh-huh. like tyler i'm so sorry yeah and then he goes fuck why can't I do this? Because he can't leave the message that speaks the truth of his heart. And it's 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 a powerful <clears throat> Okay. So, yes. Then, then the gang shows up. Yes. The gang's all there. And everybody's pretending like they don't know who the other person is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's hey, buddy. Weird, how are you? Yeah. You know, mental game they're playing with Even each other. Even though we saw each other. Right. We looked at each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're going to pretend that we don't. And we're going to go on a little trip together. And it turns out they're going to go. Okay, why does he go? Well, that's again. So that's why I was saying. So that was again bad choice of Johnny Utah number whatever because not only does he go, he also leaves his gun behind. Yeah. Um, and then gets in an airplane. Gets in with an airplane them. to go skydiving. With the assumption, gentleman. the reasonable assumption, any human being they're going to murder you, let alone any FBI agent, drop your body make, out of a plane. Is they are going to drop you the fuck out yeah. of this airplane? Yeah. But not Johnny Utah. He trusts Bodie with his life, obviously. I, it's just, I feel like maybe he shouldn't. Well, to be fair, he was right in this instance. <laughs> they all just go skydiving. This almost makes me feel like Bodie is bad at his job. No, I think Bodie has a fucking uh, ethos that he lives by. And he's all about the experience and the adrenaline He rush. does say he hates violence he at hates one violence. point. He's, I hate and this, Johnny. I hate violence. What's more on the edge than taking the FBI agent that's on your trail... To go skydiving with you. <laughs> Just for kicks, because it's fun. Like, why not? Why, that's the ultimate. Uh-huh. Yeah. So here again, we have a fabulous shot by Bigelow of this wonderful sort of aerial ballet that these guys are engaged in um, as they plummet to the fucking earth. <laughs> and... It is a bonding moment for all of them. And Johnny Utah, despite the fact that he knows he's he's skydiving with bank robbers and murderers, is super into it. He's having so much fun. Having a bro oh moment. Yep. They all sort of lock hands in a circle and are very excited about the, the, the sort of the rush of life and all of this wonderful shit. And it is beauty, beautifully shot and photographed. Um and the others peel away, the others and then it's away. just Johnny, Johnny and Bodhi falling to the earth together. And then it's almost like the Titanic. What's the line? 
You jump, I you jump. You jump, I jump. Yeah. Shit, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And But they're like, you pull your shoot first. No, I pull my shoot first. It's a little first. like the couple on the phone. It's like, you hang up first. Exactly. No, you hang up first. Exactly. They are in love. <laughs> deep, deep love. <laughs> so they sh- pull their shoots, and they land in the water, and it's a wonderful moment. And then uh, Bodhi's like, hey, dude, I have to show you something. <laughs> BT dubs. <laughs> Takes them in a van. And here again, I'm like, oh, he's going to shoot him in the van. No, no, yeah. no. Mm, not no, doing that. No. He's like, I, w- I want to show you something. And so he plays him what is video of Tyler, who has been kidnapped and is being held by Bodie's accomplice. I don't know what the fuck. Rosie. Rosie or something. Who- <laughs> yes. This is, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but it's uh, Tobias Beecher from Oz. Yes. <laughs> He's basically Bodie's um, henchman, essentially. Like he does the 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 sort of the, he does the dirty work. The dirty he, work. He's the psycho <laughs> yeah, in the gang. Bodie, Bodie doesn't, doesn't like violence. Do. Bodie doesn't. Rosie likes violence dirty. a lot. Like, doesn't want to get his hands dirty. Doesn't want to have to engage in any violence. But he will do what he needs to do to you know get away. So he's like, here's the deal. I'm supposed to meet this psycho someplace at a very specific time in order to save Tyler's life. You're gonna have to just ride with me and make sure that I get there. You can't arrest me or do anything to me. And and Johnny Utah is like, fuck! But he does. <laughs> that was a really good. It was. Really good impersonation you just did there. Yeah. You've, you've captured the nuances of Keanu Reeves' performance. So. Perfectly. What that means is that Johnny Utah now. You could be in Point Break Live on stage. <laughs> I could not capture the power of a Keanu Reeves. <laughs> the intensity. The intensity yeah. of a Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. I do not look as good in the rain. <laughs> But what that means is that Johnny Utah now has to accompany them on a on their last bank robbery. And he doesn't get to have a mask. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's just going to be Johnny Utah robbing a bank. Can I be Eisenhower? He doesn't get to be anybody. Um, and then, so again, we get another sort of teachable moment mm-hmm. uh, by Bodie where he sort of explains their use of guns. In the bank rob- robberies, where he's, you know, you have to project strength in order to avoid conflict. Peace through superior firepower. <sighs> yeah, but then he doesn't do that. Well, not this last Their time. whole thing mm-hmm. has been, they're in and out in 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Nobody has ever been shot. Mm-hmm. They don't go to the vault because that takes too much time and it's too much trouble. They just take the drawers. Mm-hmm. That's been their whole yeah. ethos. He switches it up now. Yeah. And I don't know why. Well, he's like, you know, why be a servant to the law when you can be its master? So I think at this point, we are seeing Bodhi pushing it a little bit too far to the limit. So Bodhi's whole thing is, I'm going to keep going. I'm seeking the next rush. I'm seeking the next rush. And so you the have bigger to keep, wave, the bigger, right. the 50-year storm. You have to keep upping the ante. And so, yeah, getting out quick and not hurting anybody in 90 seconds, that's great. But what if we went for the vault? <laughs> Just this one time, when we have an FBI agent on our crew, there's a well, whole so, bunch of. So things. what happens if we go, if we go for the vault? Shit goes bad because <laughs> it takes w- too much time, which was why they didn't. And they had the misfortune of an undercut or an off-duty cop was one of the um, bank customers. Customers on in the, the floor. bank. And he was feeling froggy, so he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna, I got my gun here, so yeah, I'm gonna he's do talk, some shit." He's talking to the poor old security guard, who's like, oh, "I don't secu- get paid enough." These for These security this guards bullshit. never come out mm-hmm. well in these situations because no, they don't. They really don't get paid enough for that. Like, <laughs> no, just no. We're gonna just be cool. So while the dudes are in the vault, the uh, off-duty cop pulls his gun, shoots Bodie, 
And this is, again, just bad police work. Because there's five guys in this bank. You are one off-duty cop, and then you've got this guard who you can't really assume has a lot of skills. You are not going to cover five people. And he doesn't. He is shot to death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And dies. Yeah. And a number of other people on Bodie's crew dies. And uh, Johnny Utah shot, but luckily shot through the vest, so he isn't harmed. The vest we didn't know he was wearing, which is one of my least favorite tropes. No, that's not. We saw them put the vests on in the van. They were putting. They were vesting up in the van. So we did, did see we? that. We did. We can go back and watch I'm it. I'm going to have to go back and check, we the, did tra- see them check, put on check the tapes on He that. didn't get a mask, but he got a vest. Okay. So anyway, there's this horrible, just messy shootout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Bodie kills someone for the first time. Yeah. And it's obviously a moment for him. And he is also mourning the loss of his comrades who have been shot down on the job. But they have to get out. So yep. they, they, you know, they leave the bank, take the money. And Johnny Utah is arrested for the murder of <laughs> the off-duty officer and robbing a bank. And here comes the Bob again. Here comes the Bob basically saying, what the fuck? What are you thinking? What <laughs> are you doing? he says in this entire movie. And Busey punches him in the face. <laughs> Knocking him out. And uh, takes, is able to talk his way into taking Utah. He's like, oh, well, don't put him in the squad car. I'll take him in. It's not a big deal. And then... Puts him in the car and immediately uncuffs him <laughs> and says, yeah, go do whatever you need to do. <laughs> Everybody should be fired at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no one is fired. Johnny says, I know exactly where they're going to be because he knows that there's this plan to like go to whatever airport to yeah. mm-hmm. get to Mexico or wherever the hell it is that they're going. So we go to the tarmac and there's another shootout at the tarmac. Busey dies. Busey dies. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Now, Busey dies in part because he is aiming his gun at Bodie. Yes. And fucking Johnny Utah puts himself in between, between Busey and Bodie. you're not going to shoot the love of his life. Yeah. That's just, mm-hmm. we're not going to do that. So you're going to lose your partner yeah. instead. Yeah. Because blonde surfer dude number three is behind Busey and shoots him. Yeah. Love runs deep. <laughs> So he, so Bodie was able to get to the plane with two of his crew. One is shot to death, and then the other one is shot pretty yeah, mortally. This is, I believe this is Roach, who's, who's bleeding to death in the plane. Um, but you're going to totally make it, dude, and we're going to get to Mexico, and you're going to have cinderitas and margaritas, or whatever the hell they said. And Johnny Utah's like, no, dude, you're totally going to die. And so they strap a parachute and the money to the dude who's definitely dying and then tosses him out of a plane. <laughs> Bodie puts on his chute and says one of the most loving lines, which is like, I know you want me so bad. It burns like acid. And it's just like, they're so in love. It's amazing. And uh, jumps out of the plane. And then Johnny Utah. I'll see you in hell, Johnny. I'll see you in hell, Johnny. Uh, Adios, amigos. <laughs> Johnny Utah. Uh, Does... You know, I just what it is. <laughs> it's like it's like a Kierkegaardian leap of faith <laughs> he takes out of love for Bodie. We could call it that. He grabs his gun. It is just absolute commitment and dedication, and and jumps mm-hmm. out of the plane. This is your you jump, I jump moment without a fucking parachute. <laughs> I don't know what the plan is. <laughs> I, 
like you're you're really banking a lot on gravity helping you in this situation. Mm-hmm. So he so Johnny Utah jumps out of the plane without. I, be, a shoot. I believe there was an episode of MythBusters that that Tested explored the physics this. of this particular. I don't remember what they what I, conclusion they came to. I don't to. think it would work. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Uh, so he jumps out of the plane and falls perfectly <laughs> to land on top. On Bodhi's back. On top of Bodhi. <laughs> and then sort of... This is basically a gay sex scene in midair. He straddles him. <laughs> and then sort of repositions himself to be like under Bodhi. And well, of course, because sort of we know we know who's the alpha hold, in this relationship. We know who the top is. Yeah. Holding mm-hmm. on to him with the gun in his hand. As they plummet to the earth. And there's a moment of respect from Bodhi where he's like, God damn, dude, you're crazy. <laughs> All right, let's do this. But I'm, I'm going to need you to pull the parachute because, and you're going to need to drop the gun in order to pull the parachute because you can't hold the gun and hold me and pull the parachute. And so Johnny Utah drops his gun, pulls the parachute, and they land to the earth and then sort of roll around underneath the parachute. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just... A little, cu- little cuddling after. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. It really is a beautiful moment. <laughs> and again, Bodie's like, you know, you're crazy, man. I love God it. Goddamn, you were one radical son of a bitch, he says. So much respect. Yeah. And love. Mm-hmm. And then we see, what's his name? The psycho? Oh, Ro- Rosie. Rosie drives up with Laura, with uh, Tyler in the driver's, in the passenger seat. He lets Tyler go. Tyler runs towards Johnny Utah, which this I do not understand. Uh-huh. Because this man is the reason why you were kidnapped yeah, in and the you first were place. you were pretty pissed at him last and time you saw him. And he was a liar. Yeah, and yet you've run into his arms with all this love and compassion yeah. and basically. She's also wearing this nighty. Yes, it's 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 the most feminized moment she has yes. in the entire film, mm-hmm. where she is just the damsel in distress yes. running to to Johnny Utah. Yes, and Bodhi goes and gets in the truck with. I keep forgetting. It doesn't matter with Rose. Yeah, with Rosie. Rosie. And they sort of drive off. I'll see you in the next life, he says <laughs> to his. And I thought that was the end. Uh huh. It was not because we find that Johnny Utah has been. We don't know how much later. There isn't a thing that sure. says I mean, like six months later or no, anything. Is there? I don't remember. No. So we we are in Australia and we are at the beach during this fifty year storm. His hair is longer. His so hair is longer. No time has passed. Time has passed. So because he knew that Bodie would be there because this was the actually the great... his, actually his hair was longer because he was filming Bill and Ted's bogus journey. <laughs> But it worked for the for the time sure, lapse. Sure, um, he knew Bodhi wouldn't miss the storm, so he goes to the beach, and Bodhi is standing on the beach alone, the god that he is. So he's yeah. cut his hair, and so he's he's passed. He's on the way to the beach. He's passed all these other surfers coming from the beach, right. being like, nobody can surf that. It's crazy. That's suicide. But he knows Bodhi will be there because <laughs> this is Bodhi's manifest destiny. Okay. And we learn that he has followed Bodhi to Sumatra and Fiji. Yeah, uh, all over the all world. All over the world. Which, again, I have Financed so many questions. by the FBI, apparently. Like, we've got jurisdiction issues. It's all kinds of shit. And, again, he really should have been fired. Why after. is he alone? Yeah, it's it's sort of crazy. Yeah, well, that's that's the big question. It's like, yeah. how is he even still an FBI he still agent be an at FBI. this point? He should have absolutely been fired. He was sleeping with Lori Petty. Yeah, he was... All kinds of badness. Yeah. Um, but they have a wonderful little moment on the beach, and Bodhi asks him if he's still surfing, and he's like, yeah, I still surf every day, and it's, you know. 
And they have a tussle. Mm-hmm. And Bodhi tries to drown him to death. Yeah. It doesn't work. And uh, Johnny Utah is able to cuff him. And the Australian... It's, just, it's S&M. It's, they're just having fun. The Australian police... Rolling in the surf. And... Descend on the scene. And as they get closer, it, uh, Bodhi realizes he can't be in a cage, man. I can't be in a cage. And he's like, just let me surf this wave this one time. Just please give me this. And of course, because he loves him... <laughs> Johnny Utah uncuffs him and says, okay, go ahead and go surf. Uh And he goes and he says, vaya con Dios. (laughs) And with that, Bodhi surfs out into this, you know, tumultuous ocean storm. And the Australian cops are like, what the fuck, dude? And and Utah's like, he's not coming back. (laughs) And he tosses his badge in the ocean. Which is good, because if yeah, he no, hadn't been done. fired already, this was probably going to be he's the... absolutely done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is it. And I guess the assumption is that Bodhi died The assumption there. is Bodhi died. I believe I read that James Cameron had confirmed that, yeah, Bodhi, Bodhi kills himself there in the beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. And that is Point Break. That is Point Break. Brilliant film. Ludicrous. Brilliant. Absolutely ludicrous film. Again, Bigelow makes it so much better than it had any right to be. (laughs) I think it was brilliant. (laughs) From his name being Johnny Utah, which is, and he's a jock football player, so it's like the most all-American hero you could possibly have. It's Mm. just, it's perfect. Uh, this movie was was not nominated for any Oscars. That may, it may surprise you to hear. I mean, I'm... We already know the track record of the Oscars. I, I had to, I had to look up who did win Best Oscar this year when clearly the award should have gone to one of these two gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the year Anthony Hopkins won for Silence of the Lambs. Oh, whatever. <laughs> That's no. However, you'll be pleased to hear that they both were nominated for Most Desirable Male at the MTV Movie <laughs> Awards. And and Keanu took that. Nice. Swayze was nominated, but Keanu See, won the award. I would have given it to Bodie. Most desirable male. I, I absolutely would have given it to Bodie. <laughs> so is, is this is this a new a new cult classic for you? Absolutely. Is this a, a, something on repeat? I just for gave you? you all of this like political <laughs> subtext here, man. It's a, this is this movie is saying some shit. What's it saying exactly? Just I, I explained. Sum it. it sum it up for, but sum up the overall message for me. Here. I don't know, man. <laughs> You know, Americans are soul-dead consumerists trapped in a cycle of hyper-masculinity that, you know, prevents us from seeing that the true ruler of the world is the ocean, <laughs> which will reclaim us all. It's pretty deep. That's what I'm saying. Like you could build, you could build a life around. That's what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. You, there should be like Bodhiisms, really. <laughs> All right. I, I don't have anything else to say about this movie. It's a brilliant film. I, I really do feel I came to it about, you know, 35 years too late. To well, I'm not. Really properly enjoy it. Yeah, again, I recognize that this, that Bodhi is, you know, the dream in college and the nightmare when you're an adult. But <laughs> still, that doesn't mean he doesn't have something to say. And where and where does this feature on the list of uh, Keanu Reeves quote unquote greatest performances okay. for you their no, quotes aren't really necessary um it's pretty high up there is it yeah what what's top of the list john wick john wick's pretty high yeah that's probably keanu at his most sort of 
synergistic with the film. Well, he doesn't talk much in that movie, which I appreciate. That that makes it that makes it probably my favorite John my favorite Keanu Reeves performance. He's a he's a man of few words Mm -hmm. and a lot of punching and kicking and shooting. Yeah. So right below that though is Dracula. So (laughs) it isn't. It is. It isn't. It is. I don't even know what to do with you. <laughs> All right. Well, so it sounds like you enjoyed this one, at least. This I was, did. Uh, you know, after, what, The Quiet Man last week. Oh, God. This was a nice yeah. nice change of pace for you. John Wayne needed to meet Bodie. <laughs> That's what he needed. Bodie was so. pretty much the anti-John That's Wayne. That's what I'm saying. He need, John Wayne needed some retraining. <laughs> Anything else to say about Point Break? No. I'm <laughs> all out. That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week when Nikki and I celebrate the 40th anniversary of a somewhat forgotten but hugely influential comedy that was downright prophetic about the age of reality television, Albert Brooks's Real Life from 1979. If you haven't seen Real Life, and you should, it's available to rent from Amazon, iTunes, YouTube, and other major streaming services. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, where you can listen to earlier episodes, leave us a comment, or make a donation to support the podcast. As always, we encourage you to suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch. Is it is it just that he looks good with his shirt off? Is that really what it all comes down to? No, that I've even seen Keanu very much with his shirt off. He doesn't do that in every film. I think he does, No, he doesn't. He really doesn't. No, he doesn't. He looks... I prefer him in John Wick in a fucking suit killing people. That's my... 400 people in the face. They killed his dog. Yeah, it seems like an overreaction to me. It was the dog that his dead wife gave him. I understand, and that's very sad, but, you know... He just is going into all these clubs. What and I'm saying and is, just shooting everybody. Like the guy, the kid who works in the cloakroom at that club probably does not deserve to get shot in the face. If Reek shows up to your house <laughs> and has the audacity, fucking, it is fucking Theon the Greyjoy fucking Reek, in that okay? movie, isn't showing it? Showing up yeah. to your house mm-hmm. to steal your car and then murders your dog. <laughs> You got to go kill Reek and everybody that's around Reek, yeah, protect Reek. Like the and the club staff was and like the, this mm-hmm. fucking Russian, fr- dr- you know, yeah. a front for a Russian like drug crime <laughs> family. Okay, so everybody in there deserves to die. These are not good people. <laughs> Why are we mourning them? They killed his dog. Hey, mom, I just got a job at this club. I'm very excited okay, about it. That's not how that happens. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. That kid. Runs drugs and shit. Uh, uh, okay. Is killing the community. All right. So he deserves. Or you could just leave. Be like, you, if John Wick is there, Baba Yaga shows up, you leave. You say, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna take. I'm sick day. Oh, that's cool. And you, what did you just say? Baba Yaga. <laughs> that's his nickname, the Boogeyman. Oh, uh, okay. But he's worse than the Boogeyman because he's the guy you send to kill the Boogeyman. <laughs> it's really amazing. Such a brilliant series. I love him in it. Your investment in this is really just profoundly disturbing. Because to me. he's brilliant, and I need you to. I mean, the you can you imagine the Matrix without Keanu? Yeah, so easily. No, it would be such a better movie. Oh my god, no, <laughs> no. Who else would be? Who? Who else? Literally anybody. Okay. Literally no. anybody. No. Ernest Borgnine would be better in no. the Matrix than okay. Keanu Reeves. Now you're just not engaging in. <laughs> Good faith argument. Betty White. I don't care. Anybody. In the Matrix. Oh, Jesus. This is the same article? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Weird. Uh. <laughs>
Again, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this. Uh-huh. Reeves' deep blankness is in some sense the subject of the movie, the key to its biggest reveal, that the world is an, immers- is an immersive digital fake, ginned up to keep humans passive with machines, use them. Yeah, as I've batteries. seen The Matrix. I know the plot of the movie. Well, but the point is that he is, you know, in the DNA of the premise. Like, you can't have The Matrix without Keanu and what he brings to that role. It wouldn't work. The story of a man who discovers the source of his emptiness, the reason why his life is so blank, and eventually decides to fight back, bending space around his body in the process. What makes it a great Keanu Reeves movie is that its premise and its star are inseparable from each other. Oh, I see. So the the blankness and the grayness of the world of The Matrix is embodied in the blankness and grayness and dullness of Keanu Reeves' performance. Got it. You're... Purposefully twisting my argument. <laughs> I'm not. You are. I'm following your argument no, and their conclusions no, lie. You are not. When he says, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> you believe it. It's a powerful moment. And you want to be in the Matrix and you want to know Kung Fu. Yeah. He's the savior of us all. Okay. We really do have to move on. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> 